Welcome back, everyone. Uh, you're listening to Labelling the Disabling, the podcast that's trying to expose what is disabling um, people with disability or disabled people, whichever term you prefer to use. Today, I'm with my co-host, Ed. Hi, everybody. And also with Susan Wallace. Susan Wallace has come to share her uh, story with us. Um, and I've read a little bit about what Susan wants to talk about, but I don't want to put it into my words. I want to let Susan talk about it. But maybe, Susan, you could just start by telling us who you are. Um, before we get into your story um, and Gracie's story. Um, so, your Susan, what do you do? What do I do? What a big question. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I guess I'm primarily a parent. I think that's the most important job we can ever do um, and the biggest impact we can make. So, I'm a parent and a, and a wife. Um, I am the parent of two daughters, um, Sophie, who is 12, and Gracie, who passed away at the age of 13. Um, I still speak of her as my daughter. She's I'm still the parent of two children. Um, just one of them isn't in my orbit at this point. Mm. Um, I am the chairperson of Interchange Illawarra and I've been in that role for eight, I mean, my eighth term. Wow. Uh, and they're, mm. they're the things that are the most important to me um, because I think they make the biggest impact in the world. And besides that, I, I have a job, I have a part-time job in a um, facilitating a leadership program. Mm-hmm. But but disability is still very much part of my life. And, and what does Interchange Illawarra do for our listeners? Can you explain a little bit about Interchange Illawarra? Absolutely. So it's, it's really lovely to share that um, Interchange was born from the Disability Trust. Uh, we were, if my, if my uh, history is correct, a subcommittee um, or a, a subsidiary of the, of the Disability Trust and um, we were able to become an incorporated associ- association in our own right. Um, we're very good friends of the Trust mm-hmm. and so we provide social community support. Um, so in the old days we would have been called respite providers okay. um, and that word is kind of uh, not quite... Mm. Not <coughs> quite um, Appropriate any longer? Although it's coming back. Yes, oh, I is have it? Heard. Yes, it's yes. like it's coming back I in. It was on the way out. Yes. No, no, that was last year. Now it's coming back. Because <laughs> I sort of hear that word, and it sounds to me like respite from something. Yeah. You awful. normally have respite yeah. from something from that's not nice. Yes. Exactly right. Um, and exactly so right. I don't feel good about that no. word. Yeah. Um, but I'm that's okay. just me. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. I'm okay with not using that word yeah. anymore. Okay. I'm okay with that. Um, and and. And whilst that's what we do, um, and we community mm. and social support, even when it was called respite, we always made sure that the person with a disability was getting as mm. much out of it as their parent or carer. Mm. Um, mm. If it's not a dual outcome, it's not an outcome. Mm. Because, that's right. Because yeah. if the disabled person comes back home distressed, well, they sh- might as well have not gone in the first place. Mm. Yes. So that's what we do, primarily okay. what we do. Um, but it's we, we're really good friends of the trust and... Um, um, we're f- still referring networks and re- you know people and clients, and um, mm. I-, I really enjoy the relationship that we have. Mm. Yeah, fantastic organisation, and we're really yeah always pleased working with um, Interchange. You know, even just recently with the uh, the uh, evacuations from the incredible um, bushfire mm. uh, experience that we had, it was so great when you know Jake 
Pearson, the, the CEO there, was able to um, secure uh, some some temporary accommodation for our uh, for our people who needed to move out of the Highlands for a little while. So that was really um, beautiful, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and gratefully received. And I think again, you know, wonderful community here in the Illawarra that you know, does look out for each other. So yeah, I was really proud of that. Mm. Um, and it was kind of one of my proud days as a chairperson mm. to know that Jake. And it's also I was really proud of Jake. Mm. Didn't come through me, not that it needed to because it's operational. But I found out publicly, and that's right. okay. Yeah. But I was so proud to know that he mm. just reached out to our partners and you our did. friends and said, mm. "Hey, you've got a problem, mm. and we've got a solution." Mm. And it was, you know, a win. Mm. Such a win, and the people, you know, the people that were evacuated got to have a little bit of a holiday on the they coast. Did. They did. Um, <laughs> That's just wonderful. To reduce yeah. a bit of the stress, yeah. um, and hopefully it wasn't too disruptive mm. for them. So, mm. lovely relationship. It's not tokenistic, and when I mm. say we're partners, I, you know, mm. I mean that wholeheartedly. Mm. Yeah. So, you've been the chairperson for eight eight terms. You said yes. I'm not sure if that's eight years eight as years, well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What made you decide to do something like that? Mm, great question. So um, Gracie was um, um, stillborn and revived. So we'll kind of answer that question and talk about Gracie at the same time. Mm-hmm. Gracie was stillborn and revived and had significant disability as a result of that. And when I, when she was about 18 months old, I went to the I Do um, Expo? Expo. That wasn't mm-hmm. called that, I don't think. I think it was, or was it okay. maybe? Maybe it's been rebranded. I mm. went to an ex- expo mm. and um, was introduced to Glenda mm. by... Glenda Pierce. Yes, yeah. my oh, apologies. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know who might be yeah. talking about, but mm. Glenda Pierce, who was our previous CEO. And um, so I was introduced by a friend of Glenda's who was also a friend of mine mm. and saw it as a possible service for me. So that's how I learned about Interchange. Um, and I was um, started as, we started as clients receiving some respite. And very quickly, Glenda recognised that I had some skills and background that could be useful for the board. So I was introduced to Jan May, who was the chairperson oh, at the yeah. time, and invited onto the board. So mm. uh, Gracie was about 18 months old at the time. And I'd already had enough skin in the game with Interchange to know that they were good people and they were people I was happy to work with or yes. work as support in a governance mm. role. Um, I don't know that I entirely knew what I was getting myself into, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I was just a bit naive to governance mm. and board and for the first 12 months, I sat there um, and didn't contribute very much. But um, once they, once I started speaking, they couldn't really shut me up. And mm. here mm. I am. I think I've been on the board for 11 years. Wow. Um, and in the role of chair. Oh so I succeeded Jan May. Wow. Yeah. And Probably was, not a bad thing to be a bit naive going yeah. onto a board, do you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was naive when I came onto this board, yes, that's yes. for sure. Yeah. And, and, uh, and here you are, you're still yeah. here. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah. How yeah. many years for you, Carol? Three years. There mm. you go. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. before that, what was your experience of disability? Um, well, um, I don't believe in predestination. However, um, I actually worked for essential personnel for five years. Okay. Mm. And I was an Auslan interpreter. So um, I had quite um, quite reasonable experience. Yes. So I was a um, you know a, a employment consultant, mm. and um, I'd been out of that um, role for I'm not sure five ten years when Gracie was born, but when she was born and significantly um, injured, we were 
Uh, my husband and I were sitting in front of the neonatologists at RPA and they were trying to explain to us. They, they were quite concerned that we were in denial. They thought that we were coping far too well um, and um, they were trying to express that, you know, maybe things weren't rosy. And all my husband said, and I will never forget these words ever, was if anyone can handle a disabled child, she can. And, wow. And um, it was there was some irony in that I was a, Irony is not the word. I was an Auslan interpreter and Gracie was blind, mm. um, so I couldn't sign to her, um, but mm. we had our own communication. So so that was my dis- disability experience um, and quite um, – and it just made it double-edged that I knew too much um, from both sides, I guess. Mm. Um, but it also meant, um, you know, navigating government departments and forms just mm. that little bit easier sometimes, but even – then really frustrating. Yeah. Do you think you were, you know, was that a burden in a way to be expected to be able to cope? Do you know? Like, do you, I don't know, I'm just curious. Yeah, not it, a burden. <laughs> to hear um, your, it wasn't a burden. Really yeah. good question though. Yeah. I think what happened a couple of times and I did find out later was that um, I always appear to be coping. Mm. Um, I have, I don't, I mean, I'm pretending quite a lot of mm. the time, but I have, <laughs> I have some strength or I don't know where, where yeah. it comes from and I'm able to fake it. Um, mm. till I make it. Mm. And people would assume that I knew things that I didn't know. So mm. for and I'll, I'll give you a specific example. Yeah. Um, I Gracie um, wore continence um, products throughout her life. And when she got to a certain age, she grew out of what could be purchased commercially. So I rang, uh, I think I rang, the, there was a referral service, Illawarra Area Health Referral Service mm-hmm. or something. And I rang and said, um, I uh, and I explained what the situation was. I needed a referral for a continence nurse. Mm-hmm. And so Gracie was 11 at the time. And I found out that we'd actually been eligible for um, products and or funding for six years. Mm, wow. There is a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And nobody ever told me. Nobody told nobody you. Nobody told mm. me. So the, I think there was this, she knows everything, she's yeah. connected, yeah. and people yeah. just assumed that I knew things. that. And so I was pretty frustrated because I worked out mm. how much money we'd spent that we yeah. wouldn't have otherwise been. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, six years yeah. to, for someone. It was me making the contact to ask for a continence that's, assessment. That's, no, that's an interesting one. It hasn't, that hasn't yeah. come up um, but before, but I do think, um, you know, that idea of knowing, in, in inverted commas, knowing disability. Yes. Um, because so many people say, will say the flip side of that, oh, I don't know anything about disability, which is equally ridiculous, (laughs) you know, like to to either know disability or to not know disability. I think, you know, because um, as I think Gracie, um, from my understanding of Gracie demonstrated, you know, and each and every person with disability is unique. Like and every person without disability right. is unique. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So I think um, I hadn't thought of that though. Yeah, I can no. just I can well imagine you being disadvantaged in a way because you knew disability. That's right. I'm uh, connected. I know people yeah. and I know things and why wouldn't yeah. I know that? Mm, so. Um, so yeah, that's a specific example. Yeah. And there could be other things that I'm not even aware that mm. happened or didn't happen mm. because we or I coped too well mm. or knew too much or mm. and quite honestly just, just got on with it. I didn't ask for yeah. help, which was yeah. not um, not always a good thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I remember a quote I wrote it down, you know, disabled does not mean lesser, mm. it means different. Absolutely. And uh, I really like that um, that approach. Yes. You know? Um, and and I think it's not a dirty word. Mm. Um, I, I the other thing that kind of comes from, comes off that is that um, I get really frustrated when people say that their child has special needs. Mm. And I used to say that, you know, I'm not 
I haven't mm. always been as knowledgeable and enlightened as I think I'd like to think I am, mm. but I would say she had special needs. And when people say it, I just want to say there's nothing wrong with being disabled. I don't mm. know what special needs means. Mm. What does it mean? We've all got special needs. Stella, yeah. Stella Young had a Ex- quote about oh, what special needs are. Do yes. you want to tell us yeah. what that was? It, um, it, if it's special, it's probably a little bit shit. Yeah. That's what... <laughs> Is what Stella said. Yeah, yeah. that's what special that's needs right. are. So I, I, I just, and I know that when your child is younger mm. and you're navigating the pain and the disappointment, because you know I hate the word grief, but you are, you have an expectation of what you think parenthood's going to be and what mm. your child may not, may or may not achieve. And some people are disappointed. Mm. I never was. Mm. I try not to judge people for that. So I get that they're not quite. If you're not quite embracing what you have in front of you and people don't always in terms of your child special needs seems a bit softer yes um, mm. yep. but it also sends the wrong message you know there's nothing wrong with being disabled mm. let's be honest i don't think mm. there's anything wrong yep. with being disabled mm. but people do yeah. also use that term a lot when they um may have seen you uh in the supermarket or with gracie they might have said what's wrong with her mm. that's what people tend mm. to default to when someone says oh they're disabled or they have disability, the first question I normally get is what's wrong with them? Yes. Um, Well, nothing wrong. Yes. Mm. Um, But it's, yeah, tell us Mm. about if you've had that experience. Oh, absolutely. So I've just got goosebumps. Um, So I delivered quite a powerful eulogy at Gracie's funeral Mm. um, and I was very proud to do so. If I never spoke in public again, I needed to make sure that I did it. Did her mm. justice absolutely, and I told a story that specific. Oh, I talked about language, and I said, you know, so many people would say to me, "What's wrong with her?" And I'd say, "Nothing. What's wrong with you?" Mm. And yes. they would be really quite confronted. And it happened, you know, more times than I could count, because they would be quite offended that that question was asked of them and the mm. way I answered. Mm. Why was it appropriate for them to ask the question? Exactly. And I guess the other thing I'd like to share about that is that when Gracie was younger. Um, I would rattle off her diagnosis or the different letters and I would do it, you know, willingly. Mm. And then as she got older and I was educated by other disabled activists, I realised it actually wasn't my place. A, it's none of anybody else's business, mm. particularly when Gracie couldn't give consent. And and B, what difference does it make? Mm. Like it Absolutely. was just people being Such rude a good question. and curious. Mm. What difference does exactly. it make? Exactly. So mm. so when I then when I just when I worked out that I hadn't been doing her justice because I you know I learned, when you know better you learn mm. you do better. Mm. Um, I would then say she's a wheelchair user. That was all I ever told mm. them. She's a wheelchair yeah. user because yeah. the actual diagnosis made no difference. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, especially a bit to a like non-medical the, person. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even a bit like the question, you know, uh, which I love. What's wrong with you? Yes. Is it is um you know I could imagine you could say, well, why do you need to know? Because yes. there are times when obviously a diagnosis oh, is helpful, absolutely. and you say, okay, well. Um, you know, I need to know if X, Y, Z reason will help me in the support for the person. But if you're just asking, it's a very um, intimate sort of and personal question to be so. And you could almost imagine saying, well, who are you and why do you need to know? Why should I I give you my personal information? Um, I don't. Um, so I, absolutely, if, yeah. if someone needed to know the diagnosis, mm. I'd give it to them. No problem yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. In a clinical or a support setting, mm. absolutely. The last time I shared her diagnosis um, was actually for the trust. So this mm. is a day, Ed, where you saw me. I was speaking to trust um, to 
trusted clinical services. You were, yes. And and I in the and I give a similar presentation depending on who I'm speaking to. And I actually gave them her diagnosis at the end of the presentation because they were therapists and clinicians and allied mm. health professionals. Mm. So it was relevant for them to know. Yes. To put it in some sort of context. Because when I talk about Gracie and what she achieved, if you didn't know her, mm. you could make some pretty major assumptions about her Mm. perceived ability mm. but then when you when I was actually to give her diagnosis and talk about exactly how impacted she was by her disability those two things didn't necessarily go together for an average person and that was me that's the paradigm shift I'm trying to make mm. Um, mm. you know she did all these amazing things I give her credit for such incredible um, work that she did um, th- with my support, obviously. Mm. And then when I give the diagnosis, if you're an allied health professional, you go, wow. And I want people to look at the person with a disability and think, well, why can't they achieve? Why can't they campaign for the NDIS? Mm. Why can't mm. they advocate for change? Um, why Why do we put them in? Um, why do we limit what we think they're they're capable sort of achieving? Passive roles and things. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Mm. So, so that's one of the reasons I don't talk about her diagnosis yeah. either. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I saw you speak uh, recently at the Disability Trust Your Voice Your Choice Self Advocacy um, Conference, and I saw your presentation there, and you actually did talk about Gracie's achievement. Yes. Um, and what. Gracie has achieved. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I could talk about that till the cows come home. Um, we don't have time. No. <laughs> um, but so when I speak about her, I talk about um, what Gracie and, and we did it together. You know, I was I don't want to say I was her voice, but I did the speaking. But I would say, you know, for example, to give you an example, Gracie and I lobbied lobbied and campaigned for the NDIS and we met with politicians mm. and she formed a really good bond with um, John Ajaka, who was a disability yes. minister mm. at, the, at the time. And then I say, Gracie made the NDIS better. Mm. Um, the other things uh, I talk about, um, I did some fundraising. In fact, I did a hell of a lot of fundraising. I but did I, read that in the mm. bio. I did yeah. particular fundraising. I rode my push bike from Canberra to Wollongong to, to um, raise money for air conditioning at Paramedo School. And I say, Gracie made Paramedos better. She mm. absolutely she did. did. Mm. Um, what else can I talk about? She, um, I'm on the advisory council of an organisation called Good360 and they distribute um, excess retail stock to the not-for-profit and charitable sector. And they've donated 8 million items of product, brand new product um, so far. And that started because my oldest friend was frustrated that I was fundraising for for air conditioners and thought somebody must be, Mm. somebody's got an air conditioning, air conditioner in a box that's broken and why can't, why aren't they giving it away? So she did some research and found Good360 and ultimately brought them to Australia. Gracie made Good360 come to Australia. Yeah, you know, yeah. she's changed the, the face of product for land. That, that's her. I mean, mm. I, you know, I had a part in it, but I didn't inspire mm. Alison to go and do it. She's mm. changed the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. she made huge impact. And, yes, I facilitated that. And, yes, I pushed really hard because I knew she was here for a good, a, a good time and not a long time. Um, I always knew that I wouldn't have her forever and I never I wanted her life to mean something and I wanted her to be remembered. I wanted her to have an impact. And so I went pretty hard, particularly in the last couple of years, knowing this was my last chance. And I thought I'd stop. I actually expected her death would mean I would probably die a 
slow death of my own. Yes, um, yes. Which hasn't quite happened. So it was deliberate, but it's just about leaving the world a better place than you found it. Mm. Just because you're mm. disabled and you can't speak mm. or whatever your limit is. Um, I think it is that, that power of one, you know, because I think the, the example of the um, the air conditioners and, you know, you don't know the answer, but because of that need that's identified, you you go forward um, and and you that gathers momentum and you gain attention. And I think the same with the NDIS, the influence on the NDIS. I remember at the time of all of that lobbying and advocacy around bringing the NDIS in, I have no doubt for ministers like John Ajaka to meet somebody like Gracie, yes. um, so many of the voices around advocacy were, um, you know, there was obviously a lot of people with spinal injuries who were verbal. Um, how, how important it was for mm-hmm. politicians, ministers to have exposure to meet people like yes. Gracie who didn't, who needed um parents or, or advocates to um, who knew them well um, to help uh, get that voice across. So I think, um, I, I, and I do think, I, I don't know if you see this, but I think we are turning things around so that we're seeing the benefit uh, that, you know, we see it with technology, for example, mm. where companies like Apple and others yes. are realising the benefits of user testing, mm. adaptations. That's right. that it's just good universal design. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And if yeah. it suits a disabled person, it suits an older person, it mm. suits um, it suits all people. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, now did with um I was just gonna ask you the the the, the teaching um, and the community that Gracie brought <coughs> because you spoke about when I when I saw you presenting to the clinicians and the allied health excuse me, allied health professionals, you were talking about um, a particular relationship you had with a with a clinician who worked with you and Gracie over many years. So um, my best practice example. Your best practice yes. example. Yes. Okay. And I so think, there's, there's absolutely good and best practice, you know, mm. good best shit practice. Yeah. Sorry, I just said a rude word. Yeah. That's okay. We, um, we've sometimes said them on the podcast. Yes, because yeah. um, I had some pretty bad experiences. But my, my absolute best practice was um, an incredible physio who's still working in the sector called Lynn Sharker. Mm-hmm. And um, and she um, she was uh, referred to, I was referred through ADAC. Mm-hmm. And Lynn, um, in the first <laughs> early time with your referral, she would come and do home visits. And that was really lovely. And after a number of weeks, I'm, I can't remember how many, her boss, her manager said, well, that's enough. The family needs to be coming to us. And Lynn said, well, look, it's not convenient. And it isn't. It really isn't. You're always much more comfortable and you're going mm. to achieve more in your own home. Mm. You think about a child that hated being handled at that point. So the disruption of in and out of car seats and in and out of prams and in mm. and out of going to unusual Un, unfamiliar surroundings um, mm. and the other thing was that Lynn lived very close to me mm. so she was able to do appointments on the way to work or on the way home from work so it suited as well it wasn't any major deal for ADAC from a from a resourcing perspective mm. so Lynn I, I can't remember exactly how many times I did calculate it but she came to my house every week for nearly five years Wow. Um, it was quite extraordinary. Now, that's an extraordinary amount of service because you don't get that under NDIS unless you have a mm-hmm. very, very, 
very nice plan. Um, nice is probably not the right word, but you know what I mean. Well funded. Exactly. Well, appropriate plan. Yeah, appropriately. Yes, yeah. appropriately funded. You shouldn't get weekly service if you don't need weekly mm. service. I'm not saying that. But sorry, um, Lynn saw me in my in our home every week, and. Um, Lynn so, was an occupational. No, so she yeah. was a physio. She was a she physio. Was a physio. Sorry, yeah. and, and Gracie achieved things um, above and beyond all expectations. Mm. She sat independently. She did lose mm. that skill at the end, but she learned to sit independently. She did stand for a long time. She managed to get sufficient um, dexterity in her left hand to play with toys and find toys and just things that we didn't expect and she was always they might have been inch stones but she made milestones she did mm. she was always improving and it was the fact that I was committed and she was committed and she was just a bit gorgeous that mm. Lynn continued to come we worked together she was part of the team but she was absolutely my team mm. she'd see me in my pajamas when I'd not slept mm. she'd see me dressed up when I was about to go somewhere and mm. how important um, is that for families to oh. have that sort of connection i mean and that support you know Absolutely. through you know be it the lynn sharkers yes. or the you know you yes. need you need to know that you're um valued uh, important and and you can make those uh that that progress you know i do think there's a bit of an element with ndis perhaps where it is so sort of rationed in a way mm. that um, particularly therapy mm, unfortunately therapy. well actually no everything mm. everything mm. Yeah. yeah capital it's all yeah. it's all rationed, yes. Yeah. Um, I think the key um, the key message and the key thing about the relationship with Lynn was that, or anybody to make it mm. successful, if you've got a parent carer who's living and breathing that child twenty four seven, nobody knows them better than they do, and they should be be given the respect as the expert. Mm. Absolutely, and it doesn't always happen. Um, mm. And I have a really bad experience, which I'm prepared to share, where a um, a speech therapist who met Gracie for five minutes at the age of eight or nine, I think, decided that Gracie was aspirating. And aspirating, if you're not aware, means that you're not swallowing the fluid, it's actually going into your lungs. So she observed her for a very short period of time and decided she was aspirating. Now, if you were to aspirate, which she wouldn't, she'd, she'd have been very unwell, you'd have multiple pneumonias, um, she'd have been lucky to be eight or nine because she would have died or drowned by then. Mm -hmm. But she decided she was aspirating and she said that her liquids had to be, her fluids had to be thickened. And I was told and by the teacher because th the visit happened at school and I said, she doesn't, it's not happening. And just wiped, just didn't bother. Three weeks later, the speech pathologist rang the school to say, how's it going? And the teacher said, the parents said it wasn't necessary, we're not doing it. She went... Uh, she's very angry. I don't know how to describe it any other way. She was she was uh, absolutely horrified. She got her boss to ring the principal of Parameadows to have another go. They were told that the mother doesn't know, we know better. Um, it was the worst possible Worst wow. possible situation. Wow. Now, Gracie never aspirated to mm. the age of 13. She breastfed for two years. Mm. But in a five-minute consultation, that woman decided that my child aspirated wow. and she knew better. And not only did she know better, she told people she knew better. Mm. And it's nobody... I'm not saying that OTs and speech therapists and physios don't have knowledge that I don't have, mm. but you're not the expert and you certainly don't overrule a parent. Mm. Um, unless the child's at risk and there's some danger, I guess she would assume that there was danger. Um, but even when told not to, if 
if Gracie was aspirating in that three weeks that we'd ignored it, something would have happened. Mm. Yes. Nothing happened. Mm. She, nothing ever happened. She had one one pneumonia in her entire life, which was because she got the flu. Yeah. Completely mm. unrelated. So I guess that's the worst case scenario. Lynn was the best case because she respected me and my role and my knowledge and the other person whose name I will not share mm. um, didn't and yes. absolutely said I overruled the, I overruled the parent. Mm. Okay. Yes. So, so a great lesson there, I think, for <clears throat> working with families. Um, it's got to be respectful. And yeah. I, and I, but I, I think even where there is a risk, um, you know, one, that, that relationship is, is critical yeah. between parents and children that we want to, um, you know, keep, keep children safe but also do whatever we can to yeah. respect the, um, the, the mother or the father wherever they, yes. wherever they are yes. at that point in time. Absolutely. But, and it's hard having these people in your child's life. Oh, it it's must not, be incredibly it's invasive. Not, it's not normal. Yeah. normal. It's not yeah. normal. Yeah. Commas, is that it? Word, mm. but it's not it normal. Isn't. It's not no. usual. Mm. And so if they have to be there, mm. they should do it in a way that mm. is it is um, as least invasive yes, as possible. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. There should be and it just just be kind. It's mm. not rocket science. Treat yeah. people the way you'd like to be treated. Yeah, we're hearing that a lot. <laughs> we are, we are in this. Um, yes. Do you think what what is the the legacy um Gracie's legacy? I understand um, there's a scholarship. Yes. So tell us about um about that the the scholarship that you've you've established so the scholarship came about because uh there's an international women's day committee in the illawarra mm -hmm. and they have a big event every international women's day i was fortunate enough to receive um the kate stevenson scholarship um, which i can't remember was four or five years ago that was for education and public service and i actually completed a um my governance qualification Mm -hmm. um, so it's a $2,000 scholarship. And I said on that day that one day there would be a, a scholarship for a disabled woman. So there are specific, there's a sports scholarship, an arts scholarship, um, there's an Indigenous scholarship. And I said there needs to be a disabled scholarship. Mm -hmm. So it was about three or four years ago, not realising how soon it would be before it happened. Wow. Mm. Um, and within, I think it happened, well, Gracie passed away within about two years and then three within three years we we um, were able to award the first scholarship. Mm -hmm. So it goes to a disabled woman. Um, I am really careful that there's very limited parameters about what it's for um, because I don't want to make it too hard to access. Uh, it can People can submit a video video application or an audio mm -hmm. application or yeah. whatever, so however accessible. they want to access yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and in terms of what they'd like to achieve, I, I want someone to make, I want it to make a dream come true. And mm. that, that sounds a bit twee or something. Um, mm. But I, I don't want to put limits on it. So the first recipient was Mackenzie Howard, um, who's a social work student at Wollongong University and she's used it for towards textbooks. But one day I'd like to be paying for a wedding dress. Or, mm -hmm. or, yeah. or paying for for driving lessons, or mm -hmm. sending someone to a conference. I don't. It doesn't have to be university related, mm -hmm. yeah. and I don't want it to be so high that it's not achievable. Yes. Um, you know, I will cry more the day that I pay for a wedding dress. I think because mm. it's normal. You know, mm. disabled women should be getting married. Yes, exactly. Like non-disabled yeah. women, mm. and if they can't afford it, and that's what makes their heart sing. 
then I want to pay for it. Mm. And I say I, I mean, I want the scholarship yes. to pay yeah. for it. Um, yeah. I don't make the decision. Um, I've, I've kind of removed myself because I can't be impartial and um, I know too many people in this in this world. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's an incredible thing. I want, I want to know that the money we raise. So actually going back, I guess, a step, Gracie, um, when Gracie passed away, she had a a huge amount of fans and I knew that there'd be a large funeral and I didn't want flowers. I hate flowers when people pass away. And so I asked in lieu of flowers for there to be um, donations to a GoFundMe that I set up. And um, within, um, before her funeral, so within about six days, we had 14,000. Oh, wow. And and by the end of the, um, it wasn't a campaign, we had, we ended up with Mm 28,000. My brother, my oldest brother had a 60th birthday party and in lieu of um, presents, he also asked for donations. Um, So we've, we've, we've um, given $2,000 away. We still have $28,000. It's been appropriately invested so that Mm -hmm. it will continue to partly (laughs) self-fund. And my now 12-year-old daughter, Sophie, she now presents that award. I don't – partly I can't cry. I can't do it because I cry. I just cry the whole day. Mm-hmm. I'm an absolute mess. She's an incredible public speaker with huge resilience and she gets up and very proudly presents that scholarship. I also don't want it to be about me. I want Sophie to have her thing. I think it's good for her healing and her focus. Um, it'll happen for – It'll happen forever. When in mm. fifteen years' time, if we happen to have run out of money, Sophie will be—I uh, can't count twenty-seven—and then she can come up with two thousand mm-hmm. dollars a year, or we'll help her. <laughs> yeah. So I want it to be her thing. Yeah. I don't want to be—I um, don't want it to be my thing. There's been enough of me in the media. Um, so that's that from a legacy perspective. I think that's what you were mm. asking me about, Ed. But mm. I've actually got a simpler message than that, mm-hmm. and it's how I end, um, particularly my universe, my UOW lectures. Is uh, that, before you do that, yes. we might just um, thank Susan now. Mm. I think it would be good to end on yes. that um, okay. rather than us talk yep. after that. Would you be okay I'm, with that, Ed? Absolutely. Um, I think it's so a great idea. Yeah. Thanks, Susan, because you mentioned um, a few of the things that Gracie made better, mm. um, but I think in the end there's just so many things mm. she's going to make at least for the next 15 years, mm. uh, 15 women's lives better with yes. disabilities. We, so yep. we might let you end on your um, mm. on your last thing that you'd sure. like to say with, to us. Yeah. So what, what I say particularly to social work students is that um, – is that they should aim to leave every person they meet better than they found them um, because that's what Gracie did. And I would say that if, if – and, you, and your end goal for anybody, no matter who you are, we should leave the world a better place than we found it. Mm. That's what I say. That's her legacy. She left the world a better place than she found it. Um, she, leaves, she left every person she met better than she found them. Mm. And if we all did that, um, how much nicer would our world be? Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thanks.